I was just incredibly focused on job search and I treated it as my full-time job. I remember checking LinkedIn a couple of times, but just through that brainstorming effort of people I've worked with in the last five or six years, I came up with a list of 150 or more people. I think the other thing that was relatively easy for me or, or I got over it within a day is that my job was impacted and I was, I was okay to, to say that. And uh, I think that was effective as well. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the paths they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. Hi, this is Nicole McMacken and welcome to Elevate Your Career. Today, we are focused on how to find your next job. We are featuring Dan Leder. He is a CIO from Sodexo Worldwide Home Care. And he is a CIO who is a diehard cyclist who is utilizes focus, discipline, and his robust network to find his next job. Dan, welcome to our show. Thanks, Nicole. It's great to see you. Good to see you as well. For our listeners today, our discussion is going to be focused on how to find your next job. Just for edification and, and understanding, Dan and I have known each other for, I looked down and it's been almost five years. I met Dan when he took over as chief information officer at a large company in Orange County, California called Impact. And since then, we forged a great friendship. And I invited Dan today on the show to share his strategy on job search because I found it as a recruiting firm really special. And when he was here working out of my office, and he'll get in and, and jump into the story, but when he was here working, I said, I'm going to have a podcast, Dan, and I want you on it because what you're doing is incredible and I have not seen it before and you need to share what your secret sauce is. So welcome. And we're we're excited to hear. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, it's great to be here. And uh one of the many things I like about you is you always follow through on your commitment. So I remember that conversation and I'm happy to, to join you today. Well, thank you. And here we are. <laughs> so let's start just for our listeners. Let's frame kind of this whole conversation on, you know, tell a little about yourself, where you grew up, you know, how you got most importantly into this crazy industry of information technology. And so we could learn a little bit more about you. Sure. Sounds great. And if I go into too much detail, just give me the sign and I will shorten the story. But I uh, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. That's my hometown. And uh, did my undergraduate uh, primarily in St. Louis at uh, Washington University. And uh, the way that I got into technology initially, interestingly enough, is that I uh, was pursuing an engineering degree. And my, my parents were pretty keen on me going to law school after undergraduate. And I did this uh, dual degree engineering program. So it was five years instead of four. 
of undergrad. So I got two degrees out of it. And towards the spring semester of my senior year, I finally realized that I had no interest in going to law school after I took the LSATs and applied and got accepted. And so I started interviewing for jobs and um, the company that I that I joined out of school uh, was a technology consulting firm uh, called AMS, American Management Systems, which was later acquired by CGI. And the reason I joined is because I wanted exposure to technology uh, across many different vertical industries. And so I thought it was a good opportunity for me to roll my sleeves and, and get into the industry. And uh, that's that's the start of a very long story. <laughs> no, I think that's great. So was it hard for you to get into your first job in technology? Yeah, not so much. I, I mean, I was really fortunate. Um, I, had, I had two offers coming out of undergrad. And the reason I chose this company, AMS, is because they tended to uh, recruit directly out of undergraduate programs across the country. And in fact, they had a, an orientation course called AMS 101, uh, which was many years ago. And I'm still friends with a few people that I took that course with. And it was a really good orientation to uh, technology and systems consulting and, and how to integrate into the workforce, frankly. And so I had like a really solid network uh, and, and resources around me to get into tech initially. And it was really looking back on it, it was a great experience. And I think I made the right choice. Well, how smart for them, right? How smart yeah. for them to create basically a course, which is a pseudo internship for them, right? And then bring you right over and they could take their high performers in the class, maybe top 10%, 20% and move over. And then, I mean, what a great opportunity. Yeah. Thanks. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, and what I really liked about the program is my degree was was pretty traditional, but they also took students that had non-traditional liberal arts types of degrees uh, who, who they, they just thought were really intelligent, had the capacity to learn and deliver, and again, took them through this training program. So at the end of the day, we all had sort of a same level of uh, capability from a consulting perspective. So yeah, in retrospect, I think it was really powerful. Very much. It's super interesting. I was on the executive board committee to the chancellor at UC Irvine, uh, University of California at Irvine. And I was a graduate of UC Irvine as well. And this was fairly recently. And I see a huge gap in where the education system, the universities, the colleges could really help the individual students where they have corporations come in and say, listen, you know, I mean, maybe they do a Myers-Briggs test and they say, you know, here are your strengths and where you're really strong. And here's, you know, some opportunities for you to excel in, you know, in the workforce and have large companies, mid-sized companies come in and really talk about the different opportunities that would align with those types of profiles you know, because oftentimes people come out of college and, you know, either you're going to get your law degree, your medical degree, you know, a post-baccalaureate degree, or guess what? You're stuck and you're going to go to sales, right? And and oftentimes you come out and you're saying, okay, now what? And it's really interesting because UCI wasn't too keen on doing that because they said, listen, you know, we're an educational system. We're not here to get jobs. And I, my reply was, hmm, that's really interesting because parents are sending their kids to universities are looking at their job placement after, yeah. right? And exactly. so you're probably, even though you're an education system, you are a business and you're really probably the only business that's not tracking their assets once they leave. And so just kind of this whole interesting phenomenon, but I love that that's how you got in. I am finding, well, at least within technology, 
lot of kids coming out of college and their first job will be their most difficult job to get. It's, you know, it's really almost impossible unless they've been through internships or a program like the one you've been in. So that that's fab fabulous. Yeah, thank you. I, I completely agree. The only other thing that I would add is that uh, in the engineering school where I, where I did my undergrad, our senior year, we did a lot of project-based work as well, uh, which was also really provided for a good transition to the work environment. So I was fortunate to be at a great school that tried to prepare yeah. the students as much as possible for the, the real world, if you will, and then to segue into a company that had that one-on-one slash orientation type of platform uh, was was great in retrospect. So yeah, I feel very fortunate. And Dan, do you, when you hire new talent, say coming out of college, and they don't have much internship experience. Are you looking at, I, I hear a lot about these boot camps. They're expensive, right? Yeah. And, they, and they've done some project work like you did in college, the students coming out. But then now they're, I'm finding if they don't have internship experience, really their sophomore, junior, senior year, they're enrolling in boot camps after. How? What do you think about that? I'm uh, quite keen on that. So uh, it's interesting. The, frankly, the last few companies that I've worked at haven't had proper structured programs in terms of hiring students directly out of undergraduate programs. Uh, but previously, when I was in Washington, D.C., working for Fannie Mae, a much larger company, we, we had a specific program and we actually ran the boot camps ourselves. And so, again, that gave us more flexibility such that if the the students, both undergraduate and graduate, didn't have the exact skill set. We felt that as long as they had the aptitude and attitude, we could take them through the boot camps that we had in place uh, to get them to where they needed to be to be effective. It's interesting. I think that a lot of larger organizations like GE, I know, has a structure. So maybe, you know, coming out of college and if you're not only in IT, right, it could be finance and accounting or whatever, you know, you look at maybe those larger, you know, corporate structures are the place to go because it looks like they have a foundation for training, right? I so the Deloitte's so. and, you know, Accenture's for consulting and those kind of things. So interesting, interesting. Let's talk a little bit about when you and I met, you miraculously, you were a CIO, Chief Information Officer. And what were some of your strides to get there, to get to that role? Yeah, so it was really interesting. I, I, I was very fortunate, I would say, uh, that the job that I had previous to my first CIO role was as a direct report to the CIO. So it was sort of a logical transition that I was going through and progression in my career. And I found throughout my entire career, the way that I've gotten, I think all my jobs, virtually all of my jobs anyways, is, is through the network that I've built. And so I'll, I'll get back to the point in a second, but a good example is that I worked for Arthur Anderson earlier in my career. And when that imploded, at first, I thought it was the worst thing in the world, and then it turned out to be the best from a career perspective because all of my colleagues ended up at different really great firms, and I built this much stronger network as, as a result. Um, in the case of, of Impact, uh, it's a very similar situation. So one of my former colleagues from my previous employer, uh, Lone Depot, happened to take on a, an executive role at Impact, and we had worked together a bit and uh, he made the introduction when they had identified the need to to bring on a new cio and uh, i was just fortunate to to be able to have that personal connection and he was aware of what i had been able to deliver previously in my career and, and frankly that's what i look for as well when i hire people is people that i've worked with or 
uh, can be a direct referral because I know what they're capable of and what they've executed on. And so, yeah, I was very fortunate to step into that role. And I think it worked out really well. Yeah. And that's where your network comes in, right? I talk all the time and you and I have these conversations too, Dan, like your network is equivalent to your net worth, right? I mean, not meaning LinkedIn and how many, you know, people you're connected to, but real connections that you know that say, hey, I know Dan, I know Nicole, I could vouch for this individual, either on a professional or personal level. So I agree. It's so helpful. And especially at the sea level, right? And when you're moving, those jobs are, are are really made and had at that networked level. So yeah, it really interesting. And when I met Dan, he was coming into Impact and I was already working there uh, as a vendor supporting their IT structure. And it, it got messy. It got messy. And uh, he had an opportunity to come in and do some great things. And I immediately had a meeting with him and uh, I thought, wow, he's so down to earth and logical and calm and just, he's a great fit. So, so I really enjoyed working with you there. And yeah, so you, you had made the choice and, and you stepped out and you said, okay, bye-bye impact. And I'm going to good leap now, but yes. it wasn't good leap at the time. I think they had a Correct. different name and it was, it was, yeah. you were in the mortgage industry, right? You came up through that yeah. industry and loan depot and impact and, and then now this company had a little bit of a green tinge to it, but it still had a mortgage section. And yeah. you thought that was interesting, right? And some some opportunity for you. So tell us yeah. a little bit about that and what that looked like. Yeah, you nailed it. So uh, again, had a really good experience at, at Impact for about two and a half years. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, because of the type of lending that Impact does, it's called non-QM, non-qualified mortgage, but they basically basically lend to non-traditional borrowers who don't have a standard W-2 type income. And so again, the long story short is when the pandemic hit in the spring of 2020, the capital markets for that type of product ceased up literally overnight. And so within two weeks, uh, we furloughed about three quarters of the organization, uh, myself included. So I reported directly to, to the CEO, George, and he asked me to furlough about three quarters of my team. So I went through that painful process and then when that was completed a few days later, uh, he notified me that I was being furloughed as well, unfortunately, uh, because there were just there just wasn't anything to do other than keep the lights on. And so uh, looking back on it, I completely understand and respect the decision. And, and um, what was yeah, so certainly I'm OK with it now. At the time, it was quite difficult. But anyway, so I was in a, a pretty tough spot. Uh, I had been furloughed. And so I went on on job search and I remember Literally later on that day or in the evening when I got home, I literally took out an old fashioned pen and piece of paper and just started jotting down people that I should reach out to. Um, and I started my job search the next day uh, without going into too much details. Nicole mentioned I landed a, at a great company, which at the time was called LoanPal, uh, which then rebranded to become Good Leap. Uh, Leap stands for Life, Earth and Prosperity. And it's a really neat company. It's the largest residential solar energy lender in the US. And then they also have a mortgage practice as well. And so I thought this is a really good chance for me to break out of mortgage to a certain extent and to learn about uh, an industry that, that's quite similar. And so, uh, yeah, it was a great, great experience there. And was do you think when you're looking for a job, you know, and I know when we search for jobs for individuals, on the technical side, sometimes you get pigeonholed, right? So I have a lot, we, you know, because we're close to LA, 
we deal with a lot of the entertainment companies and oftentimes I'll hear, oh gosh, Nicole, yeah, yeah, I'm just in the entertainment vertical. I got to get out. I got to be seen more than that. Right. And I think that was a little bit what was happening too with you, right. And the work, and unfortunately for those of, of us who all have mortgages and watch the mortgage sector, and it's just is so volatile, right? It goes up. And when it's up, it's such at a high and there's people are spending money and IT spending money. And then at the low, you know, you're laying off three quarters of your entire staff, including your executive team. And so, you know, I remember us having those conversations and, and you being a little bit pigeonholed, right? And, and yes. this was, a, I thought, a really nice break in some way because it had that mortgage still, but then on the other side, it had the solar. And so it was, it was a good way for you to kind of break out. And do you feel sometimes that to get out of that industry or vertical, yeah. do you feel yeah. like you have to potentially take a step back in your career? Or do you feel like it's an easy transition? Yeah. So I, I, I can answer it. I feel both ways actually, right? So my experience has been a, a good leap. I did have to take a, a small step back. And so I had the CIO role at Impact and then had to take a step back into, a, again, a direct report to the CIO, which is where I, I was previously to Impact. Uh, and, and so, but then more recently, when I, I took my new job at, at Sodexo, uh, CIO of the home care division, completely different industry, and got back into the CIO role. And what I realized after literally my first two weeks on the job, I realized I had a lot to learn about a new vertical industry. But a lot of the issues and challenges are very, very similar to what I was experiencing in my previous roles. And so that now that I've been through the experience, it, it really is a change in mindset for me. Like I wouldn't hesitate to to apply to other role, other roles in other vertical industries across the board, just because I feel like at least in the CIO role, it could be quite similar uh, across industries. And most roles are right. They're, your skill sets are transferable. Um, sometimes with our clients, healthcare, they you know it's specific, very very specific tools that they're dealing with. Um, different technologies, so that sometimes is a little bit different. Um, but not all, not always. And at the higher, like you mentioned, the the higher level position you have, the more commonality you know you have throughout the enterprise. So sorry, great. So tell us a little bit about Good Leap, and then why we're on a call today, because I was fascinated. You were actually the first I've seen that's been able to do what you did. Um, so you leave Good Leap, and yeah, yeah. let's let's start there. Yeah. So I, again, Goodleap, really interesting company. I, I generally have only uh, good memories of the place. I did get some experience on the solar energy financing side of the business. But at the end of the day, I spent 75% of my time on, on the mortgage side of the business, running mortgage technology for them. And as Nicole had mentioned, it's very cyclical. And so just like any other mortgage company, they're, they have been going through quite a rough time over the course of the last, call it nine to 12 months. And, and so um, they decided to hunker down, if you will, cut their costs on the mortgage side of the business across the board, including technology. And so my job was eliminated at the end of October, uh, which put me on job search again. And that's where, yeah, that's when I started coming into Nicole's office and we can get into that a bit further. Uh, but I, I really just treated my, my job search as my full-time job. Um, so I was impacted on 
a Friday in late October on October 21st. And I started my job search that weekend. And I think I was in the office, if not Monday, then certainly Tuesday of the following week. Yeah. And uh, it was it was funny. Dan had called me and he said, hey, and since the pandemic, I have a big office and our staff really doesn't come in. We come in a couple of days a week and it's typically most most of our staff moved out of state. And so we have our corporate office here and we have a few individuals from, you know, our executive team and, you know, that come in. And so Dan calls me and he says, Nicole, you know, I've got an issue. And I said, what? And he says, well, you know, I've been laid off because of the mortgage sector. And I said, oh my gosh, that's terrible. He said, no, 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 that's not the issue. He says, my daughter has just bought a cockatoo (laughs) and it does not stop chirping and talking all day. And I need to get to work. I need someplace quiet. And so I said, all right, why don't you come in and work out of my office? It's huge. We'd love to have you. We have refrigerators filled with drinks and snacks and and come be with us. And so next thing I know, Dan is here Monday through Friday and he's working out of our conference room. And it was such a pleasure to have him. But this is where I observed genius activity. And that is why I said, I am going to get you on a podcast because I think everyone needs to understand what type of work goes into something like this, especially at your level. So with that, you know, please share with us kind of your secret sauce on not only how you landed a position within a short period of time, but I believe you had what four or five offers at the time and you were deciding which one to take, which was unbelievable yeah. as well. Yeah, thank you. Yes. And, and I'll, re- I'll rewind the clock just slightly. So I, I joked during the pandemic, I, I always went to my office literally 98% of the time uh, just because I felt like I could be more productive there. And, and every once in a while when I would work from home, my wife and kids would ask if I was going to go to work the next day. So that was my signal to, to get out of the house. But as Nicole mentioned, most recently, yeah. So we we have uh, quite the zoo at home, including this umbrella cockatoo, and and I cannot work at home. Period. Right? He screams <laughs> that off at a moment's notice with without any warning whatsoever, and it's inaudible. So, anyways, yeah, I was happy to to camp out in Nicole's office and really appreciate the the support that Nicole and her team provided me. Yeah. So again, my approach was I I think discipline number one above all else. And I was just incredibly focused on job search. And again, I, I treated it as my full-time job. And I spent at least eight hours a day, sometimes 10, 11, or 12, just focused on reaching out into my network, setting up meetings, having meetings, having discussions, and, and trying to be as focused as possible. But also, oftentimes I would take a call and not know what the potential outcome would be, but it would lead to another call, which would lead to another call, which would lead to a decent opportunity. And so I was really open-minded and, and focused. Yeah, and again, we'll get into more d- detail, but yeah, at the end of the day, I had two formal offers and I was close to, I'd call it at least one, possibly two others over the course of about an eight-week period. And as I mentioned, that started at the end of October. So uh, I was really, Focused given the Thanksgiving holiday and the December holidays, I wanted to, my objective was to get it done by the end of the year. And unfortunately, I was successful in that regard. 
Are you ready to break barriers and become the next CIO in the tech world? Here's the exciting news. We've custom designed a groundbreaking course specifically for female executives interested in becoming CIOs. And the best part, it's absolutely free. This women's leadership course is the first of its kind to support female leaders in technology. The program delves into real life scenarios that CIOs face daily. Whether they're leading small enterprises or vast Fortune 500 companies. So if you're a manager, director, or VP of technology, this course is a perfect fit for you. Current CIOs and technology leaders will take you on a 15-week journey, guiding you through a 360-degree view of what it takes to be a CIO, the pragmatics of implementing IT governance, the foundations of C-suite level project management and portfolios, and so much more. Ready to take a leap of faith in your career? Go to www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program and the link is in the description box. If you want to contribute to a more inclusive and equitable tech world for women, you can start at www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program. Join us in our next course for the Women in Leadership program and be part of this exciting journey. Now back to the show. When you talk about, you reached out to your network, you started reaching out, who, who, who is your network? What, what does that look like? Are you talking about family? Are you talking about friends? And what kind of these, what kind of conversations were you having? Yeah, thanks. So it, it was 100% of people who I have worked with within the last six to seven years. And, and so I've been thinking a lot about this over the last few days as, as people, people reach out to me, just as I reached out to them. And, and sometimes the, People reach out to me that I haven't talked to or worked with in like 15 years, right? And and so that that's a bit of an awkward conversation. And so that's why I think I was really focused on people who who know me, who I've worked with over the course of the last five or six years, because there's recency bias there. And so literally, I, I just brainstormed. Okay, over my last few jobs, who did I did I work with that I really enjoyed working with that landed in good places, and started to put together a spreadsheet of Here's the people I should reach out to in this prioritized order. And I remember checking LinkedIn a couple of times, but just through that brainstorming effort of people I've worked with in the last five or six years, I came up with a list of 150 or more people. Uh, and I just started at number one and went down to 150. And again, I, I checked LinkedIn a couple of times and maybe I added two or three names, but it was mostly just sort of brainstorming, uh, again, people that I have worked with and respect and uh, was comfortable reaching out to. And then Nicole, I think the other thing that was relatively easy for me, or, or I got over it within a day, is that my job was impacted and I was I was okay to to say that from step one, right? There's, there's no shame in it, in, in my view. And so I was very direct when I reached out to people as to why I was reaching out. And uh, I think that was effective as well. And then when you reached out and you said, Hey, you know, I'm reaching out to you. My job was impacted. You know, is there anyone or what, what was the next step? Was it, how can you help? Or, or do you know anybody? What, and what was some of the responses? Yeah, it was, it was all of the above. I, it was really like some of them were quite targeted. So friends or former colleagues of mine have landed at places that I think would be really interesting places to work. And so of course, I would do some some research to try to identify that if there were any suitable opportunities. Although the the offers, the two offers that I got and the one to two that I was really close to, none of those jobs were posted on any site whatsoever. So it was really just having open conversations and 
And the job where I ended up at Sodexo, uh, the person who I reached out to was a former colleague. He was my HR business partner. We had worked together three and a half years previously and dealt with some pretty difficult situations. So we had a lot of respect for each other given some of the challenges that we had to overcome. And I was very fortunate that the, the whole point of me reaching out to him, this guy, Alan, was just to check in to let him know uh, the situation that I was in. And I was very fortunate in that they their previous CIO had just taken a lateral move to another part of the company and, and they had an opening and we initiated the conversation and uh, it turned out really well. So that's that's amazing. So and did you use any recruitment firm to help you on any of these searches? I reached out to so over the course of the last five years in particular, you know, because I had the CIO role at Impact in particular, executive recruiters would reach out every couple of months with a potential opportunity. And so I did reach back out uh, to those executive recruiters in particular. And yeah, one of the jobs I was quite close to an offer on actually came through that um, that process. Great, great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you you get the calls. You've reached out through your network. You know, it seemed I remember walking by the conference room and and you were on your laptop and you were in your suit, right? And you know, you were taking copious notes. You were engaged in conversation. What did those processes look like for you? How how did you do this? How did you conduct those? How did you follow up? Can you share a little bit with our listeners once you get the interview, right? What what were some key key things that that you took to heart and and how you followed up and and more so even too? I know I'm asking a lot of questions within a question, but you know, what type of individuals did you say, hey, I know I, I want to be at this company. I know if this is going to be my boss, this is these are the things that you look for too. Yeah, so I'll try to unpack as much of that as I can. And if I miss anything, just let me know. But it, I, it, so as far as process, it's funny because as I was doing it, I was thinking about, I put everything into an Excel workbook. And so I, I, I joke that I could probably commercialize that and sell it as an off the shelf tool on how to perform a job search because it became my, my little like CRM application, if you will. And, and that's how I tracked everything, my, my schedule, my follow-ups. And as, as Nicole mentioned, I, I took copious notes. Uh, and, and, and so when I'm having these discussions, I, I'm old fashioned, right? I just jot stuff down on, on pen and paper because I don't want to be distracted by trying to type everything up, et cetera. And, and so what I would do at the end of the day is I would just read through all of my notes and then uh, create very small summaries and pop that into the Excel spreadsheet so that at any point in time, a week or two from now, if I wanted to have a refresher on the discussion that I had with Alan, I don't have to go through my detailed notes. I could just go to the spreadsheet and get a quick summary. So so my objective after the first few days was to try to set up at least five or six calls or meetings per day. And then uh, towards the end of the search, as I started to narrow down the process, I would just try to be more focused in terms of, okay, I think I started with talking to 150 people and X number of companies. And now, and then I started to create a list of, well, here's the companies that I'm really interested in based on the people that I've talked to and and really try to focus more energy on sort of breaking through into those particular companies, if you will. So I I think I answered a couple of your questions, but no, no, it's great. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I remember at the very tail end, you had uh, started a discussion 
with another mortgage company and it was based in Orange County, right? And you yep. live in Orange County and the company that you're working for now, Sodexo, you're, you're based here, but you're traveling all over the world and I'm yeah, very jealous, yeah. but you're, you're, you're getting to, to do and, and meet a lot of different people. And it was, would have been really easy for you to slide right back in the mortgage sector and you are the perfect candidate. And the reason I know this is because they actually are a client of ours. And when Dan shared with me that he was interviewing there for that, that position, you know, I thought, wow, you know, that would be something real easy, but you know, you had different direction. You had different thoughts. When do you know when to walk away? Right. Because it was going to pay a high salary. It was going to be. And so what would you advise to our listeners? Yeah, I I think what I would, part of what, drove me or well a couple of things drove me right one is that in the case of mortgage it's it's so cyclical right so even if i were to land a great opportunity based on my experience i, I just don't want to go through the highs and lows again uh, so i didn't want to go through the process in two three years so that was one thought that i had the second thought was the ability to jump into a new industry and have a, a great opportunity to learn about healthcare and home care, uh, that that was really motivating to me as well. And so again, when the Sodexo opportunity hit, and it, you know this goes back into one of the spreadsheets I have within the workbook, I, I did sort of the pluses and minuses of company A and company B, and, and so Sodexo came out on top, fortunately. And and the third piece was, as Nicole mentioned, that I had the ability to to do some some great international travel with work earlier in my career. And then was fortunate to, to not have to do that as my my kids were growing up. And now they're at the point wherein I let my son know a week ago, Sunday night, that I would be in Brazil for the week. And he said, oh, okay, have, have a good trip. Like, I'll see you next weekend. He didn't really care a whole heck of a lot. So the, the timing's worked out really well for me. Especially when they become teenagers, they, they, you know, at least mine, they're, they're looking for, Hey, why don't you go away? So we could throw a party at your, when you're gone. But uh, no, not really, but somewhat really. So in your opinion, what do you think for your particular industry within IT, the most important personality trait or strength someone would need to work in your industry to be successful at your job? Or maybe not even your job and your, you know, just with technology in general. Like what yeah, do you it's look a great for? question. And and I think and I mean this is my point of view, right? And I learned this lesson about 15 years ago. And and so it gets back to sort of uh, who my mentor is as well. And it, it's a guy who was my boss when I was at, at Fannie Mae, call it 15 years ago. And I remember, you know, he was really supportive of me and my career. And I remember having a frank discussion with him one day. Uh, where he was giving me constructive criticism. And, and at, at the time, you know, I was really focused on execution and delivery. And this guy, Jim, said, so Dan, if you have a choice between cranking out deliverable one, two, three, or going out to lunch with one of your business partners, what would you do? And I thought the right answer was, well, I'm going to crank out the deliverable and not spend a bunch of time or waste a bunch of time socializing. And that was the wrong answer, right? So for me, you know, from that point forward, I realized that you get to a certain level where you, you can prove that you understand the technology, you can execute, but how do you develop those relationships and how do you work with people? And for me, that's become most critically important. And so when I have to make a trade-off, I really think about what's most important. And I think it's developing those relationships, having empathy and trying to understand uh, how I can be as helpful as I can be. 
100%. And I see it day in and day out. And, you know, you've heard me talk about it and I've talked about it on this podcast many times, but, you know, focusing on your career, right. Mm -hmm. Versus the job. And what you're saying is the job and tasks, right. At that moment, they, they're going to get done, but are you going to miss out on that opportunity for a relationship for a raving fan for when 10 years down the road, they remember, Hey, Dan and I went to that, that lunch together and we connected and had a great time. So it's super, super important. And I would just, I would just add, that's why again, four months into my new job, I've done a bit more travel than I think I will on a go forward basis. But for me, it's so important to, again, develop those personal relationships in person, make the effort to visit people where they work. And then everything else becomes so much easier afterwards having zoom or teams meetings or whatever it, it's 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 already been beneficial so much so since i've been here in a very short period of time no i i agree i think it's relationships are everything for a person who is maybe midline in their career you know what do you think is a valuable piece of advice obviously the relationship piece right i i agree wholeheartedly yeah but you have a you know maybe a junior manager who's looking to, to elevate their career within the company and within you, yeah. you know, what are the things that you value and what advice I guess, would you give to your younger self? So if possible, so yeah, I mentioned Jim, my boss at, at Fanny, who was my mentor. And, and so he was willing to make the investment in me. And so I, I feel very fortunate uh, twice, once at Fanny, once at Impact, I was able to work with executive coaches before in the case of Fannie, before I was an executive. And I think if you can find that kind of sponsorship in your company, it, it's it's invaluable. But I think the real differentiator for me was that we had a cohort of people that had executive coaches. And some people didn't view that as much of a benefit as I did. And, and so I really, really spent a lot of time and effort focusing on that and getting as much out of that consulting as possible because I knew I would benefit from it and my employer would benefit from it as well. And so it's really just thinking about how do you invest in yourself and how does that investment in yourself benefit not only you, but the company that you work for as well. And I think too, you could do a little positive branding, right? You know, you have mentorship and you you approach someone, you know, potentially within your own vertical within IT or let's say finance and accounting. And then you can even find someone else in a completely different vertical within the company and say, you know, I'd love to learn a little bit more. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the business, about what you're doing. And it's just making those relationships that are so important and and creating that network for for someone who's really looking within an organization to elevate their career. So I I agree with you 100%. I I think it's it's super important. I also would say and I know you and I have talked about this at length before but you know on LinkedIn utilize your voice. Make sure that you know people that you're branding yourself appropriately at the appropriate titles and and really following individuals that are of interest to you and maybe topics and and potentially leading discussions around it or posting around that. It quick quickly people use you know this tool as someone to identify you as hey this person's an expert in this or hey let's look at this person for advice or this this company is doing really interesting things and just the involvement I think too, is what, what I think helped propel you. Right. And that's what you're saying, you know, from that level yeah. is getting involved. It's a benefit to the company. It's a benefit to you. 
I think so. And, and, and clearly, uh, I think uh, leveraging LinkedIn is, is a bit of a weakness for me as, as far as branding and sponsoring and, and being active. But I, I think I make up for that on the, the mentoring front. And, and so I continue to seek out informal mentors uh, even, even today, right? And I, I think it's really helpful to bounce ideas around with people who aren't here with me in the day-to-day just to get a different perspective on uh, certain challenges that I have. And so I feel very fortunate to have that kind of network to rely upon. Yeah, for certain, for certain. And I'm so happy that you were in my network, by the way. So, <laughs> and we've forged this wonderful friendship. It's 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 yeah. been great. So, um, very reciprocity. Um, tell me, for our listeners, we're we're going to wind this up. But what would you recommend? What's your favorite book? So, yeah. So, uh, to be honest, I'm not a prolific reader, and 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 oftentimes when I read, I try to read for for pleasure. Uh, about stuff that I'm really interested in, like the sport of cycling, for example. But um, I, I did read a book on on Elon Musk uh, about six months ago called Power Play, and it's about the founding of of Tesla. And I, I thought it was fascinating for me, just getting a better understanding of how close they were to failure on how many different occasions, and the fact that they continue to fight through it. Uh, to become the company that they are today. It it was really fascinating to me just to see uh, how much risk they had to take in order to be successful. So that's, that's the most recent book that I read that that I would recommend. Well, it's very similar like you, right? So you, you didn't quit. You don't quit. You have your mindset and you keep going. And I think that probably is a good parallel for you because that's the story that they had, right? They were so, so close and they put their mind to it and, and they never gave up. And that's what I see in you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I will have our listeners. So if you go to Dan Leader at LinkedIn, you will see his profile and feel free to connect with him. Is he sounds like an amazing networker. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Dan, for being on the show today. And we'll have to get you back on and uh, talk to them a little bit about your aspirations of the Tour de France. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Well, well, thank you for the invite and thank you for all your support. I, I sincerely appreciate it. It's been wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, It's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.